the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. For listening to the show. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. September 4. Oh, where did the year go? It's been a good year. And it's pretty interesting to see what happened today on the markets. Um, you've seen a pretty surprising bold move. And the euro is getting destroyed over it after a stunner. The ECB cut interest rates to new record lows, unexpectedly lowering borrowing costs to try to lift inflation from rock-bottom levels and support the stagnating eurozone economy. The ECB cut its main refinancing rate to one-half a percent uh, from 0.1%. So it's fractions. Um, it's nothing. Mario Draghi said indications from financial markets showed inflation expectations exhibited significant declines in all horizons. Wow. So they're basically taking off on quantitative easing, kind of program like the United States has been in. Markets here in the United States respond positively. The S&P 500 is up 8 since 2008. Dow's up 2 since 17,140. NASDAQ's up 28 since 4601. Joining me now, BayAreaLoanSource.com's very own Tony Mendez. You can hear him Thursday evenings on this radio station, on this show, on a regular basis, but Thursday evenings from 6 to 7 when he does his real estate report for KDOW AM 1220. One of the areas that I, I saw that was interesting was household wealth up $10 trillion in the year 2013, which was a 14% increase from 2012. Household wealth is stocks and bonds. So... We feel, I mean, that's a lot of wealth. You see that headline, and Americans are up $10 trillion in household wealth, value of home, stocks, banks, accounts, when you minus out mortgages, credit cards, and debts. That's psychologically pretty powerful. It is, yeah. So of that, $5.6 trillion came from the increase in stocks, whereas just $2.3 trillion, half of what came from stocks went from home values. And that's, I'm not knocking it. That's a good number. What's nice to note about that is, just telling the story, $10 trillion, that's future economy spending to me. And that's psychologically pretty powerful. If people's homes go up in value, what do they do? They spend, They usually they feel better about their value in their house, and they start spending money. They take equity lines out, or they cash out some way or another, or they start spending more money in their credit card to improve their property. That's the first thing that people usually do. And then they'll say things like, you know what? It looks like we're going to make it to retirement, so let's go on a vacation. Or... Let's make another, and they go on vacation, make a baby, and that's mm-hmm. financially a very big decision. That's probably a bigger decision than buying a house now. 
Because yeah. it's two hundred, it's about three hundred thousand plus dollars from age zero to seventeen to raise a kid. That's a house in most of America, right? So, families of four in the Bay Area, I don't get it. I don't get it. That's you're committing but to it. It's a it's a very interesting combination where you have a child and you go, you know what? We have a child now. We have to buy a house. Yeah. So <laughs> buying a house and having a child too, the largest decisions you'll ever make. You know, having a kid, though, is also a great financial decision because some of the things that you were doing before going on vacations and getting no return, other than you seeing the Louvre, you're now putting into a house or you're now putting into education, which does have a return on investment. You're putting into better financial assets. But let's talk about household wealth, $10 trillion. Let's say I'm feeling good. My home value, according to Zillow, has done great. I'm not assuming that's a real number, but let's just say it's close. Um how do I go about getting a home equity line of credit? What's that look like? Well, there's a couple ways you can do it. Uh, the most common way is uh, online with some of the large banks. It okay. seems to be the easiest way. Um, you may or may not get the best rate. There's several places you can go online, like bankrates.com, and look at some of the, the products that lenders are offering. Of course, it's all tied towards your equity and how much you're actually borrowing. The lo- surprisingly, the larger amount you borrow, the lower the rate. If you only borrow 50000 you might get prime plus one as opposed to 200000 with prime plus zero. So it all depends on what your your scenario looks like. What documents do I need? It's going to be similar to the the, the whole loan transaction. Okay. You still have to prove that you you qualify. Tax. Um, do I submit taxes? Um, in most cases, you will. Yes. Okay. Two years of taxes. In most cases, you will. Yes. If I lived in Texas, would I have to submit Texas taxes? Texas, taxes. you know, usually you don't have to do state taxes, but federal. Okay. And that's nice to know because all my taxes are PDF. Do you see most people's taxes PDF, or do people sometimes drop? I've seen so, most people. To be honest with you, send me one PDF of one year and a uh, fax copy of, a, of the next year. Okay. It always seems to be kind of it, you know. It's funny what I've noticed. People switch tax tax accountants a lot, yeah. a lot more than I thought they would have. More than they do with cars. It's interesting. My life was so easy tax wise until I turned thirty. And every year since then, it's gotten more and more complicated. As I've added more properties and more types of investments, um, I highly recommend you. Well, I mean, CGI. I switched because I, I, I soon, you know, when I, as soon as I moved out of my property and, and I owned multiple rentals, and I started using a different type of accountant. And it, I also went from self-employed to W-2. So there's different reasons why. He's the best in real estate. He is Tony Mendez. He does the show here Thursday evenings, 6 to 7. Listen to it. Listen to Chad's show, New Focus on Wealth from 1 to 2. I think those, these three types of shows, mine and theirs, really give you an end-to-end you know, pie, so to speak, of everything that you need to know on financial issues, whether it's financial planning, whether it's accumulating wealth, whether it's how to manage your 401K or how to manage your mortgage and treat it as the business decision that it is. You can find Tony Mendez at BayAreaLoanSource.com. That's BayAreaLoanSource.com. So I gave a speech last year at Nike. And I gave a speech for millennials, for Generation X, and for baby boomers, three different groups, right? <clears throat> I was surprised. I, I really did it from an HR perspective of here's what your benefits are at the company, and you should consider taking advantage of them, whether it be the 6% match in the 401K, whether it be the health care benefits, the ability to adopt a child and write off some of that and get money for that, schooling, things like that. The millennials were really upset with HR you know, they would start a 401k, but they would never fund it. They would take the free money, but they would never invest it. I was surprised, right? The thing that surprised me the most was, I think that movie, The Interns, 
has ruined a lot of young people. They think that that's, you know, free lunch at Google, sushi at Google, um, sleep pods. But the IRS is now looking at perks and considering taxing them. So the IRS is taking a closer look at a popular tax-exempt perk offered by companies in the Bay Area, free meals. There's really potentially a lot of tax revenue involved. It sounds like you're being inherently trivial. It's not. The rules may address some unusual legal questions on whether employees at, like, Google are more like New York office workers who can duck out for lunch or akin to lumberjacks in a remote logging camp who need, you know, have food trucked in. So it's going to be interesting because, again, that's one of those perks, and if you get if you have to pay for it or if you get taxed on it, um, will the company step up and meet the taxes for you, i.e. raise your salary? And or will they say, you know what, this is just too much of a brrr. Tech companies that use their well-stocked cafeterias as a lure for prospective employees and a way to keep them on campus for longer hours. This is going to be a challenge. Big event coming up in San Jose at the San Jose Airport Hotel. It's an event for exactly issues like this. The Bay Area employee who's highly compensated with stock options, with money, with cash, with investing. Living in the Bay Area is tricky. Come learn more next Thursday, the 11th. More information at robblack.com. Let's welcome in Chris Siaccio from TheStreet.com, talking a little bit of Apple today. How are you, Chris? Good, Rob. How are you doing? Always good to talk to you. So I'm looking forward to a little update on what's going on with Apple. Obviously, the phone hack, not the phone hack, but the cloud hack scandal uh, set the stock spiraling yesterday, biggest loss in probably about a year or so. Um, what are your thoughts on the story? Well, actually, yesterday's decline had more to do with a downgrade note from uh, an analyst at Pacific Crest than it did with the iCloud incident. But in terms of the iCloud incident, you know, it, it seems like it's kind of already blown over in terms of, um, you know, what the media is, you know, kind of reporting on it. And, um, you know, it's unfortunate that these celebrities' accounts were hacked, but, you know, we see hacks happen all the time. Um, and it still hasn't been, you know, Apple kind of came out and said that, you know, iCloud was not responsible for the hacks, that it was just, you know, separate, ha you know, individual hackers hacking individual um, iCloud accounts. And that's unfortunate, but it's, as long as people are able to, um, you know, kind of protect themselves on the web, they do the right things in terms of privacy and, and setting up passwords and, and the like, consumers really shouldn't worry about it. Um, you know, hacks are, are, are few and far between, but when they happen, unfortunately, they're very painful to deal with. And, you know, that's why consumers should really be vigilant about what they put on the web. Absolutely. And uh, I've actually started getting a little bit more anal about it and doing the, the two-step verification where I have a text message sent to me before I log on to anything important. So 
Um, times are changing, and it should get better. But um, I'm glad you see this as a very small issue, all things considered. Let's talk the watch. Obviously, the 9th is right around the corner, September 9th. Next Tuesday, Apple's got a big announcement. Yeah, if there's no watch, I think people are just going to, you know, a huge, uh, just across the Internet, uh, people will be a little upset that we don't get some sort of announcement. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of looking forward to seeing what they have with the watch. I don't think that they'll, the watch will be on sale anytime soon. It'll probably come out, you know, early in 2015, and that's pretty standard for Apple when they introduce a new product. The iPhone was announced in January 2007, wasn't available until June, and the iPad came out, I think, three or four months after that was announced. So that's kind of a standard status quo for Apple. Um, but in terms of functionality, I would expect to see, you know, kind of, you know, something definitely related to health and fitness and keeping track of your heart rate and calories and blood sugar and all your all those health levels. But I would also expect it to be, you know, something related to payments. You know, there's a lot of speculation that Apple's going to announce something related to mobile payments on Tuesday. And we could also see the watch work in terms of their smart home initiative. You know, they kind of made a big to-do about that at their developer conference in June that Apple's going to start, you know, to, to really open up its platform for smart homes. So I would expect the watch to kind of work with that as well. Well, let's start with the first one, the mobile payments. Um, probably not the best time to be releasing a mobile payment platform when some Apple accounts have just been hacked. The media kind of runs crazy with it, talks about, would you do it? Um, I've talked to a lot of people in the last couple of days about mobile payments and will you do it, will you not? And most people are pretty leery, and they're using debit cards instead of credit cards. And we know Visa, MasterCard, and American Express have something working with Apple because it's already been reported. Uh, what do you expect with mobile payments? How do you think it will work? Will you be comfortable yourself using it? In terms of how it will work, they're probably going to include a, a new chip inside the new iPhones that – you'll be able to tap it to, you know, a credit card reader at a store. And since your credit card information is already linked to iTunes, um, you know, you won't need to pull out your card and swipe it. And that will give Apple an extra couple percentage cut for in terms of revenue. Um, but in terms of myself, you know, I'm really kind of interested to see how they tackle this because, you know, mobile payments hasn't really taken off in the past. A lot of companies have tried, and a lot of them have had mixed success or some failures. So I'm really interested to see if Apple does anything differently. And I would definitely be willing to see or to try it out. You know, it's unfortunate, like you said, you know, that you have the iCloud hacking just a few days before they announce a mobile payments, um, you know, initiative. But, you know, that's probably more coincidental than anything. And I would suspect that they will be – incredibly, incredibly aware of, you know, the iCloud buzz that happened, and they'll make sure to say that this is very safe, and if you follow these specific steps, there is no reason why you should think that your credit card information should be compromised. Anything else that you're working on with Apple that, um, wait, wait, you already said it. Um, they're just, oh, the home initiative. What do you think that's going to look like? And again, you know, I don't have a Nest, but I've seen the Nest thermostat. I'm like, it's cute. I should, but I'm not there yet. But it definitely seems to be a trend. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, people are increasingly using their smartphones and tablets to do everything around the house, you know, whether that's shut your blinds, change the temperature, or even turn on the television, or even lock the doors at night. So, you know, it's kind of interesting to see, you know, how they're going to tackle this with the watch. They're setting up this big, you know, tent at the campus that they're having the event at, and no one really knows what, what's going to be at inside the tent, whether it's just product demos or maybe something else. I suspect it might be related to the smart home initiative, and if they're going to have the watch and the phone there, maybe they can show how it will actually, you know, a smart home would work with the iPhone and the watch. Um, so, you know, I think that's kind of interesting, and I'm really kind of looking forward to seeing what they have and what they announce. Anything else, Chris Siaccio from thestreet.com that we should be thinking about with Apple? Yeah, Apple is going to have a really, really big second half of 2014, and it starts on Tuesday. You, you have both iPhones and the watch probably being announced, as well as the mobile payments. And then next month, I would expect that we'll see, um, you know, large or new iPads, and they'll come, you know, with Touch ID, which has really been a big hit for Apple in terms of security and an additional feature that consumers love. And then going into 2015, we'll have the actual iWatch launch, Mac refreshes, and then who knows what else. I mean, there's talk that what we see announced on Tuesday with the watch might just be, you know, first generation, and maybe they ha release a whole slew of wearable devices. Maybe that's just the first thing. So I'm really excited to see what Apple has for us in the next six to nine months. Let's talk a little bit more about that because we have a couple minutes left. You just brought up the whole fact that um, the iPad, a big refresh there. It's been kind of disappointing. Um, their market share as well as I don't, I, maybe it's, it's not as mobile as we thought. Maybe they don't break as much, but they're not really selling as fast as the market wants them to. No, and investors have, have kind of come, you know, to grips with the fact that Apple does not care about market share. They care more about usage and revenue share, um, which Apple has, you know, in spades. When you're competing against an open platform like Android, you're probably never going to be the market leader because it's free and anybody can use it versus, you know, one company selling one product. Um, so it's tough to compete you know, on a market share basis, but Apple consistently says that they have incredibly high user satisfaction rate, well north of 90%, and you just don't see that with Android. So even though the iPhone isn't growing as fast as it was in the heydays of, you know, 2007 to even, you know, I guess as far out as probably part of 2012, you know, the iPhone is still growing at a pretty healthy clip, you know, they're expanding into China, which is really going to be the big next market for them. And with a larger iPhone, that's probably really going to, you know, boost demand for it. I mean, I've seen a lot of people, and I've talked to a lot of people, say that what's held them back from switching to iPhone from Android has been a larger phone. So the fact that they're announcing not one but two larger phones means maybe they do take some market share away from Android and their numbers get boosted even higher. Thanks very much. It's Chris Siaccia from thestreet.com, uh, tech editor. Um, knows a lot about what's going on with Apple at the current time. 
this time next week, we will probably be appled out a little bit. You know, um, the New York Times, Nick Bilton out with a column on how ugly smartwatches are. And Apple's lead designer, Jonathan Ivey, basically said, you know, watch out, Switzerland. Uh, you're in trouble. Um, he chose, you know, a bolder term than the word trouble. Probably bolder than screwed to express how he thought the watchmaking nation might be in a tough predicament when Apple's watches come out. Um, they're certainly going to be well-designed. Uh, that's something Apple does very, very well. The Apple analyst, Chris Koo, Ming Chiku, uh, KGI Securities, uh, has a couple predictions on it. Uh, last year, he was dead right with every one of his predictions on Apple's products. He nailed every single detail about the 5S and the 5C before Apple made the announcement. So he's got some sway, per se. Uh, he said it's going to have 8 gigabits of internal storage. That's half the storage space of an entry-level iPhone, which suggests that Apple may want you to be able to store music and apps directly on the watch. It hints the iWatch won't just be a wrist-worn controller for your smartphone like Pebble and other watches out there. Uh, one in 1.3-inch screen or 1.5-inch display. It'll have some aluminum and maybe even some gold options. We'll take a break here. You can find me online at robblack.com. I always have events coming up in the Bay Area. You can find out more about one coming up soon at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Bay Area, great place to live, but it has its challenges. Real estate being one of them. Taxes being another. You know, if you make $100,000 in the Bay Area versus $100,000 in a state with no income tax or a state with low sales taxes, it's that's a 20% difference in what you're bringing home. 100000 is 80000 here versus $100,000 in low tax uh, areas, that's significant. Times that by two, if you make 200000 that's a lot of money just before you even breathe. A lot of financial issues to think about, uh, federal taxes, state taxes, stock options, which most people don't know what they're doing there. Um, it's complicated. Um, capital gains, obviously, a, a big issue as well when you, you know, get that uh, IPO money per se or when you get stock options granted to you or stocks granted to you and you, you sell them. So lots going on. Real estate, lots going on. CFP, Chad Burton, and myself are going to be talking about it next Thursday, the 11th, 9-11. We're going to redefine 9-11. Um, San Jose Airport Hotel, um, 6.30 to 9. You can sign up for the event at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. Joining me now, CFP, Chad Burton, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Doing well. You wanted to talk a little insurance today. When is it appropriate? When is no, it let's, not let's appropriate? Let's forget that. I sent you an email on options because I walked in and... Uh, you know, yesterday we talked about um, ESPPs and taxation, and I had a, a, a kind of a cheat sheet for people that runs through the ESPP or Employee Stock Purchase Plan options—not um, okay. options, but tax issues and timing of when you can sell and, and at the most tax advantage time. Um, 
but let's talk about the other questions that I had is which ones to sell first. Because people have, typically, if they have an employee stock purchase program at work, they're also offered RSUs. Um, they're also offered, in many cases, stock options, and that can be non-qualified and incentive stock options. And the incentive stock options are few and far between. So if we talk with people that have RSUs, ESPPs, and options, non-qualified stock options, they always ask, which ones do I sell first? Okay. And I wish that I had you know, a cheat sheet for people that said, this is the order in which you do it. But it's different depending on the timing in your life and the timing of when you receive your options. So the first thing I want to remember and remind people is that RSUs, or restricted shares, when they vest, they become taxable, and that's it. There's no really reason if you're overweight to, to hold on to those unless you're a huge believer in the company. If you're really overweight, though, it's time to start trimming. So if you're overweight in the company stock, and it's time for you to start trimming no matter what your age is, as the RSUs vest, sell them. They're taxed no matter what. There's no crazy uh, incentive to you know, hold on to them for a certain period of time. If you're overweight, sell your RSUs as soon as they vest. Now, the next in line on which ones you sell depends on where you are in life and when the options expire. So you know, some people have stock options that are going to expire very soon. And if that's the case, well, you better, if you're going to trim, you've got to trim those because they're about to expire, and if you don't do anything, they'll expire worthless, and that's ridiculous. So if, you're, if your options are not about to expire and you're younger and you want to leverage, you like that leverage that comes with stock options because, remember, the stock's going up. You haven't bought any money yet, so you haven't put in any money yet, so there's a lot of leverage there. So if you're younger and your options are not about to expire, and you're overweight in the company's stock, and you enjoy the leverage of the options, then sell the ESPPs before the options. But remember the holding periods that I talked about yesterday. Okay. Now, if, the, if, if you know, you're, you're older and you're scared of the leverage because you're closer to retirement, um, and the downside movement in a stock of 5% versus the upside movement of 5%, it's, it's much scarier to you because you're older and you, you're scared of the leverage. Well, that's the type of person that would trim the options before the ESPP. So the issue is, is that there's really no right answer because it, it is specific to when your options expire, what your age is, how much you're overweight in the company stock, and, and what your risk tolerance is for that, for that leverage. And then at the same time, you also have to do some tax planning around it. So that's when it's time to get a good CPA that works with your financial advisor. You can do some modeling um, because sometimes it's a matter of spreading things out. Like if you've got a big you know, options that expire, let's say, in, in February of 2015, you might want to do half now and half later rather than all in February of 2015 just to spread out and keep your marginal tax bracket lower. So with these, you know, compensation programs, Rob, it comes a lot of responsibility, a lot of technicality, and it's, it's, it's some homework for people. What else do we need to know? And you said there's, you have a cheat sheet or something you could send out? Because this yeah, is intimidating ESPPs, just to listen to. Because the ESPPs, um, and, I, and I can on incentive stock options as well, so you can email me, chat at chadburton.com, and we'll go over a lot of this in a little bit more clarity with um, some specific examples in, in the September 11th event. Um, but incentive stock options are a different story. That's the other thing to remember on this. Those are the ones that you can buy them and hold them as long as, long as you uh, sell 
the longer of two years after grant or one year since exercise, you can qualify for capital gains on the gain since exercise. But that's the one that's subject to the AMT tax, and that's a trap that people get involved with, where if they were to do that now and exercise and hold, they would get more than likely, since they're in California, they would end up with an AMT tax bill for 2014. And if they, they hold on to the stock, and let's say it tanks in 2015 and becomes worthless, like happened to people in the year 2000 and 2001, they'd still owe that tax. So on the instead of stock options, ISOs, don't ever exercise and hold those after the first quarter of the year, in my opinion, um, because you can avoid the AMT okay. tax by selling them early. People can find out more information by going to your website, newfocusfinancial.com, dropping you an email, chad at newfocusfinancial.com. It's chad at newfocusfinancial.com. We've got a big event coming up next Thursday, September 11th, seven days from now, San Jose Airport Hotel on 4th Street. You can find out about Bay Area wealth strategies, what you need to know living in the Bay Area to create wealth, to preserve wealth, and to manage wealth. You can sign up at robblack.com. Views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. The Wall Street Business Network presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800 516 1220. So call in, we'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money investing and more. Whether it be the Apple iWatch, which is expected to make a debut, but not be sold this year. It'd make a debut probably September 9th. We would be surprised if it's sold this year. A lot of leaks now, 1.3 or 1.5, a gold or aluminum casing for it. Uh, Jonathan Ivey says, you know, Switzerland is, and he used a, a word that starts with F. And it wasn't a complimentary scenario. Um, Going to be interesting. Bay Area loves Apple, love it or hate it kind of thing. Uh, when I came to the Bay Area 15 years ago, roughly, a uh, girl I dated had a, and this is interesting that I say this because the, the following is going to be kind of funny. She had a license plate that said MSFTSUX, Microsoft Sucks. Her boyfriend at the time had one that said AOL SUX. And it's funny, like, how much the Bay Area loves or hates Microsoft or AOL or, you know, Yahoo or Google or you name the company. But uh, everything is awesome elsewhere in the world 
in the world of Legos. Legos has become the world's largest toy maker on movie success. The Danish toy maker saw revenues rise 11% in the first six months of the year. Lego has surpassed Mattel as the world's biggest toy maker by sales in the first half of this year. That's pretty impressive. Um, considering that Lego bricks aren't really bricks at all, right? They're plastic. Um, God, you got to think of the landfill when you're thinking of Lego bricks, right? Just how much plastic in the world Lego has created. Um, not publicly traded company, and that's interesting. Um, the Lego movie, obviously helping, you know, brand, and you're seeing more and more of that. Movies that are meant to sell books or movies that are meant to sell product. Um, Mattel disappointed investors. We can expect first half, you know, flagging Barbie. Poor Barbie. Like, she gets blamed for all the problems at Mattel because little girls don't want big flat, plat, to be big and plasticky and to be out of proportion. So now there's monster high dolls and Bratz dolls and uh, other dolls that are doing well, but Barbie, not so much. She's down on her luck. Um, Lego's boost has relied heavily on sales related to the movie. And there's going to be a Lego movie, too. We know that. That's going to be released in 2017. Warner Brothers has already set the release of the Ninjango movie, which is um, kind of Legos that are tied towards ninjas. And it's a pretty popularly themed product range. Uh, that's coming out next year. It remains to be seen, you know, um, what sort of business model that they've lined up after that. Um so in the second half of this year, the Lego movie comes out. It grossed $468 million in the theaters, and it's going to be coming out on DVD. The license of the movies themselves not a significant element of sales for Lego compared with the sales of the movie-related boxes of bricks. So they're not making huge money by letting Warner Brothers produce it. They're making huge money by kids going out and playing with the sets. Um Lego has sold, on average, 86 Lego bricks for every person on Earth. That's crazy. China saw the most significant growth in Asia, with sales up 50% in the first six months of this year. So they got some room to grow. Um, I don't know. If you ever look at the prices of these things, they're pretty outrageous. You can get, like, an, a Star Wars Legos, uh, like, just one spaceship, just one team, not like the Millennium Falcon. It'll cost you 30 bucks, um, And, of course, kids want 10 of those things, right? So uh, the sets are pretty, I think, egregiously priced. And I think they're kind of taking advantage of kids. But seeing that they're plastic, who am I to say, right? I'm just a mean old man, huh? Uh, Boeing said today that they expect rising China sales. China will put more than 6,000 new planes in the air over the next two decades as it becomes the world's largest plane market. Something that's kind of interesting. We hear more and more about, like, rage tied towards airlines, and every now and then um, disasters tied towards airlines. And that's gonna, there's going to be more of that. We're, we're not going to miss out on that. There's going to be more news of things going bad in the sky because there's more planes in the air. So don't be one of those people who, like, gets all freaked out. Just know that statistically that's going to happen. And I'm actually pretty okay with it. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. 
um, promotions are spurring August retail sales. So it's a good time to potentially shop because there's a lot of discounts. Costco, L Brands reported stronger than expected Augustists. Uh, the month was dominated by deals and discounts. Costco is a, a warehouse chain store. Uh, L Brands is intimate apparel. Um, you know, there's some consumer concerns out there that are hitting uh, companies, you know, like Kate Spade, Michael Kors. So they're ramping up discounts to clear merchandise. Macy's, seen as a leader in department stores, lowered its sales forecast. Um, L Brands, formerly um, It's Victoria's Secret, and a couple other internals on that. Uh, 5% increase in sales, which topped expectations for 3% growth. The company noted strength in the brand for young adults for back to school. Their line called Pink. Um, the Bath Body and Works brand recorded a 4% increase, driven by sales of its signature collections, home fragrances. Costco, 7% increase. Gap, another big component, um, and teen retailer Zumier sells actions, uh, sports apparel, footwear and equipment, about 2.5% growth. So retail's are doing okay. With the, what the ECB did by announcing egregious um, monetary policy, and egregious being not necessarily the worst thing in the world, but aggressive, uh, cutting interest rates to new record lows, the market's you know, like this, and with retail doing okay in the United States, and with autos doing okay in the United States, and with employment doing okay, it's not very Goldilocksian, or it is very Goldilocksian. It's not too hot. It's not too cold. It's it's, it's okay. Um, we should have another good year. Again, barring something like a disaster, barring something like terrorism, um, maybe Ukraine gets invaded or Kiev gets invaded more aggressively. Uh, then, yeah, that story changes. There's no doubt about it. Um, but we should be, we're going to have a good back half of the year, and we, we're set up for a good year next year with the employment scenario improving. That should lead to a little wage inflation. So I'm okay right now. A little thumbs up, so to speak. SP 500 is up 8, the Dow's up, up 60, the NASDAQ up 25. I'm liking what we're seeing, all things considered. You can find me online at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. One area of note is I'm revamping some seminars that I've done because, you know, Money 101, I do a lot. Wealth preservation, retirement planning, do it a lot. So starting a new one uh, that will get worked in the next Bay Area Wealth Strategies, next Thursday evening, 630 to 9. I'm going to talk about buying real estate in the Bay Area, real estate versus stocks, capital gains, Um, Sales taxes, income taxes, uh, state taxes, uh, and obviously much, much more. A little stock option planning as well. So next Thursday night at the San Jose Airport Hotel, you can find out more information at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. And a little Lego movie action taking us to break. Everything is awesome.
So the IRS is going to start looking into the practice that a lot of Bay Area companies have of providing free lunches for employees. Um, because that's a perk that they're getting that I don't get. I have to pay for my lunch and that sales tax, and I have to use my income for that. I don't work at Google. This is potentially a lot of money, um, tax revenue. I'm not bitter, but that's the idea behind it, is that most people do have to pay for their meals. Um, Obamacare? In perks in general, let's stay, let's stay with Google and perks in general. Um, So anyway, I think I've beaten up the whole IRS issue, and maybe Google is blocking the transmitter because I brought that up. Obama tax care rule gets rehearing by full appeals court. The full U.S. Court of Appeals in Washington will rehear a case on Obamacare tax subsidies, a move that may reduce chances of a new Supreme Court showdown over a central element of the Affordable Care Act. It's going to be interesting. That's far from over. Um, it was a very poorly written law, and... Laws in the United States get fought over in court because of the writing of laws. And you make one syntax error, and bam, there you go. You could have blown it. Application for U.S. jobs, jobless aid, still very, very low. Slightly more Americans sought unemployment benefits last week. But the total number receiving aid remained at its lowest level in more than seven years. So applications for unemployment rose 4,000 to a 302,000 level. Typically, any number under 400,000 is good. Tomorrow is Jobs Friday. So the first Friday of every month, we get to see how jobs are doing in the United States. And that potentially has the ability to be a mover in the market. So we'll pay attention to that. It comes out about 7.30 Pacific Standard Time. The pace of healthcare spending is speeding up. Um, it's one of the things that I was talking with a friend yesterday who had a baby eight, nine months ago. So you think eight, nine months ago, you think beginning of the year. And she signed up for the Affordable Care Act. Um, and she was surprised at how bad it was and how much money she had to spend out of pocket. So to have a kid, she ended up spending about $12,000 out of pocket. Um, and she's suing the insurance company because that's, you know, baby care was supposed to be part of that. Um I don't think a lot of people realize how expensive healthcare is. Even when you have insurance, it's still very, very expensive. So the nation's respite from troublesome healthcare inflation is ending. Economic recovery and age in society, more people insured under new healthcare are driving long-term trends. Um, the introduction of expensive new drugs for the liver, wasting disease, hepatitis C. Um, Health cost inflation is not expected to be as aggressive as in the 1980s and 1990s. It will still pose a dilemma for President Barack Obama's successor. Long-term, much of the growth comes from Medicare and Medicaid, two of the giant government programs that are covering more than 100 million people. 
this sounds horrible to say, but old people are really costing America a lot of money. And most of our problems are be, going to be tied towards old people. Social Security, health care, um, money going to them or going to keep them you know, medicated uh, from a tax base of disenfranchised millennials. So it's going to be a problem in the United States, and we'll probably end up creating some sort of default on the dollar. Um, maybe, maybe not in our lifetime. Maybe some sort of weakening of the dollar. Um, but certainly we're looking at you know higher taxes in the future. Um, more things to get taxed in the future. So government officials have never met a dollar they didn't like or a dollar that they wouldn't spend. The United States is expected to spend more than $3 trillion a year on health care this year, far above any other economically advanced country. Yet Americans are not appreciably healthier, and much of what they spend on appears to go for tests and treatments of questionable value. Um, fraud also siphons out tens of billions of dollars a year because healthcare spending is so high, shifts of a couple of percentage points have significant economic consequences. Some fast food protesters today across America getting cuffed, the protesters are. Police handcuffed several people in New York and Detroit as they blocked traffic in the latest attempts to escalate their efforts to get McDonald's, Burger King, and other fast food companies pay their employees at least $15 an hour. Um, higher wages are common. So politicians have learned that's a way to get people out to turn out for votes. Um, and also it's, you know, questionably, you know, a higher quality of life. So President Barack Obama said recently there's a national movement going on made up of fast food workers organizing to lift wages so they can provide for their families with pride and dignity. If I were busting my butt in the service industry and wanted an honest day's pay for an honest day's work, I'd join a union. Um... So it's it's a campaign called Fight for 15. And what's tragic about it is fast food companies weren't really set up to encourage high wages. I know a lot of franchisees who are not millionaires. They make an honest living, but they pay their employees as, you know, below $15. Um, fast food companies were set up for cheap food. Cheap food's not high profit margins. Cheap food is exactly what it sounds like, cheap food. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how much unionization happens and or doesn't happen. A little civil disobedience is starting to rise up, though. People are getting arrested. You can get your calls in the air, 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. Home Depot stores have been hacked. So everyone who's listening to the show should check their credit report every three months or sooner. I've gone as far as to join a, you know, a, an app called Credit Karma that tells me if there's been any major changes in credit on my account. Uh, the sooner you catch it, the sooner you're able to fix the problem, obviously. Uh, I would never, ever, ever use a debit card ever again unless a gun's to my head. I always use credit. It's safer than debits. Which calls in air, it's 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. Big event coming up next Thursday, the 11th, at the San Jose Airport Hotel about living in the Bay Area, the costs, how to save, how to create wealth, how to manage wealth, all that Bay Area-centric angle. You can sign up for the event at robblack.com. That's robblack.com.
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.